The Heavenly Footman by John Bunyan So run that ye may obtain 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 Heaven and happiness is that which every one desireth insomuch that wicked Balaam could say Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his Numbers 23.10 Yet for all this there are but very few that do obtain that ever to be desired glory, insomuch that many eminent professors drop short of a welcome from God into his pleasant place. The apostle, therefore, because he did desire the salvation of the souls of the Corinthians, to whom he writes this epistle, lays him down in these words such counsel which have taken would be for their help and advantage. First, not to be wicked and sit still and wish for heaven, but to run for it. Second, not to content themselves with every kind of running, but he says, so run that you may obtain. As if he should say, some, because they would not lose their souls, they begin to run, but times, Ecclesiastes 12.1, they run apace, they run with patience, Hebrews 12.1, they run the right way, Matthew 14.26, do you so run? Some run from both father and mother, friends and companions, and thus that they may have the crown. Do you so run? Some run through temptations, afflictions, good report, evil report, that they may win the pearl, 1 Corinthians 4.13, 2 Corinthians 6. Do you so run? So run that you may obtain. These words they are taken from men's running for a wager, a very apt similitude to set before the eyes of the saints of the Lord. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. That is, do not only run, but be sure you win as well as run. So run that you may obtain. I shall not need to make any great ado in opening the words at this time, but shall rather lay down one doctrine that I do find in them, and in prosecuting that I will show you in some measure the scope of the words. First, the doctrine of the text. The doctrine is this, that they that will have heaven must run for it. I say they that will have heaven, they must run for it. I beseech you to heed it well. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run ye. The prize is heaven, and if you will have it, you must run for it. You have another scripture for this in the twelfth of the Hebrews, the first, second, and third verses. Wherefore, seeing we also, saith the apostle, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience a race that is set before us. And let us run, he says. Again, Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, and so on. Secondly, the word run opened. But before I go any further, observe first, flying. That this running is not an ordinary or any sort of running, but it is to be understood of the swiftest sort of running, and therefore in the sixth of the Hebrews it is called a fleeing, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Mark, who have fled. It is taken from the twentieth of Joshua concerning the man that was to flee to the city of refuge when the avenger of blood was hard at his heels, to take vengeance on him for the offense he had committed. Therefore it is a running or flying for one's life, a running with all might and main, as we used to say. So run. Second, pressing. This running in another place is called a pressing. I press toward the mark, Philippians 3.14, which signifies that they that will have heaven, they must not stick at any difficulties they meet with but press, crowd, and thrust through all that may stand between heaven and their souls. So run. 
Third, continuing. This running is called in another place, a continuing in the way of life. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1, verse 23. Not to run a little now and then, by fits and starts, or halfway, or almost thither, but to run for my life, to run through all difficulties, and to continue therein to the end of the race, which must be to the end of my life. So run that you may obtain. Several reasons for clearing this doctrine, and the reasons for this point are these. First, because all or everyone that runs does not obtain the prize. There be many that do run, yea, and run far too, who yet miss of the crown that stands at the end of the race. You know that all that run in a race do not obtain the victory. They all run, but one wins. And so it is here, it is not everyone that runs, nor everyone that seeks, not everyone that strives for the mastery that has it. Luke 13. Though a man do strive for the mastery, Paul says, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. That is, unless he so run and so strive as to have God's approbation. 2 Timothy 2.5 What? Do you think that every heavy-heeled professor will have heaven? What, every lazy one, every wanton and foolish professor that will be stopped by anything, kept back by anything, the scarce run so fast heavenward as a snail creeps on the ground? Nay, there are some professors do not go on so fast in the way of God as a snail doth go on on the wall, and yet they think that heaven and happiness is for them. But stay, there are many more that run than there be that obtain. Therefore, he that will have heaven must run for it. Second, because you know that though a man do run, yet if he do not overcome or win as well as run, what will he be the better for his running? He will get nothing. You know the man that runs, he does do it that he may win the prize. But if he does not obtain, he does lose his labor, spend his pains and time and that to no purpose. I say he gets nothing. And how many such runners will there be found at the day of judgment? Even multitudes. Multitudes that have run, yea, run so far as to come to heaven's gates and not be able to get any further. But there stand knocking when it is too late, crying, Lord, Lord, when they have nothing but rebukes for their pains. Depart from me, you come not here, you come too late, you run too lazily, the door is shut. When once the master of the house is risen up, saith Christ, and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, I will say, I know you not, depart, and so on. Luke thirteen twenty five. O sad will the estate of those be that run and miss. Therefore, if you will have heaven, you must run for it, and so run that you may obtain. Third, because the way is long, I speak metaphorically, and there is many a dirty step, many a high hill, much work to do, a wicked heart, world, and devil to overcome. I say there are many steps to be taken by those that intend to be saved, by running or walking in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Out of Egypt thou must go through the Red Sea. Thou must run a long and tedious journey through the vast howling wilderness before thou come to the land of promise. Fourth, they that will go to heaven they must run for it, because as the way is long, so the time in which they are to get to the end of it is very uncertain. The time present is the only time. You have no more time allotted you than that you now enjoy. Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 27.1 Do not say, I have time enough to get to heaven, seven years hence. For I tell thee, the bell may toll for thee before seven days more be ended. And when death comes, away thou must go, whether thou art provided or not. And therefore look to it, make no delays. It is not good dallying with things of so great concernment as the salvation or damnation of thy soul. You know, he that hath a great way to go in a little time, and less by half than he thinks of, 
he had need run for it. Fifth, they that will have heaven, they must run for it, because the devil, the law, sin, death, and hell follow them. There is never a poor soul that is going to heaven, but the devil, the law, sin, death, and hell make after that soul. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8. And I will assure you, the devil is nimble. He can run apace. He is light afoot. He has overtaken many. He has turned up their heels and has given them an everlasting fall. Also the law that can shoot a great way. Have a care thou keep out of the reach of those great guns the Ten Commandments. Hell also has a wide mouth. It can stretch itself further than you are aware of. And as the angel said to Lot, Take heed, look not behind thee, tarry not in all the plain, that is, anywhere between this and heaven, lest thou be consumed. Genesis 19.17 So I say to you, Take heed, don't tarry, lest either the devil, hell, death, or the fearful curses of the law of God do overtake you, and throw you down in the midst of your sins, so as never to rise and recover again. If this were well considered, then you, as well as I, would say, They that will have heaven must run for it. Sixth. They that will go to heaven must run for it, because perchance the gates of heaven may be shut shortly. Sometimes sinners have not heavenly gates open to them so long as they suppose. And if they be once shut against a man, they are so heavy that all the men in the world, nor all the angels in heaven, are not able to open them. I shut, and no man openeth, saith Christ. And how if thou shouldst come but one quarter of an hour too late, I tell you it will cost you an eternity to bewail your misery in. Francis Spira can tell you what it is to stay till the gate of mercy be quite shut, or to run so lazily that they be shut before you get within them. What? To be shut out? What? Out of heaven, sinner, Rather than lose it, run for it, yea, and so run that thou mayest obtain. Seventh, lastly, because if you lose, you lose all. You lose your soul, God, Christ, heaven, ease, peace, and so on. Besides, you lay yourself open to all the shame, contempt, and reproach that either God, Christ, saints, the world, sin, the devil, and all can lay upon thee. As Christ saith of the foolish builder, so I will say of thee, if thou be such a one who runs and misses, I say even all that go by will begin to mock at you, saying, This man began to run well, but was not able to finish. Luke nineteen twenty-eight to 30 But more of this later. Question. But how should a poor soul do to run, for this very thing is that which afflicts me sore, as you say, to think that I may run and yet fall short. Methinks to fall short at last, oh, it fears me greatly. Pray tell me, therefore, how should I run? Answer, that thou mightest indeed be satisfied in this particular, consider these following things. Nine directions how to run. The first direction. If you would so run as to obtain the kingdom of heaven, then be sure that you get into the way that leads there. For it is a vain thing to think that ever you shall have the prize, though you run never so fast, unless you are in the way that leads to it. Set the case that there should be a man in London that was to run to York for a wager. Now though he run never so swiftly, yet if he run full south, he might run himself quickly out of breath and be never the nearer the prize, but rather the further off. Just so it is here, it is not simply the runner, nor yet the hasty runner that wins the crown, unless he be in the way that leads thereto. I have observed that little time which I have been a professor, that there is a great running to and fro, some this way and some that way, yet it is to be feared most of them are out of the way, and then, though they run as swift as the eagle can fly, they are benefited nothing at all. Here is one runs, a quaking, another a ranting, one again runs after the baptism, and another after the independency. There is one for free will and another for presbytery, and yet possibly most of all these sects run quite the wrong way, and yet everyone is for his life, his soul. 
either for heaven or hell. If ye now say, Which is the way? I tell thee, It is Christ, the Son of Mary, the Son of God. Jesus saith, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14.6 So then your business is, if ye would have salvation, to see if Christ be yours with all his benefits, whether he has covered you with his righteousness, whether he has showed thee that your sins are washed away with his heart blood, whether you are planted into him, and whether you have faith in him, so as to make a life out of him, and to conform you to him. That is such faith as to conclude that you are righteous, because Christ is your righteousness, and so constrained to walk with him as a joy of your heart, because he saves your soul. And for the Lord's sake, take heed and do not deceive yourself, and think you are in the way upon two slight grounds. For if you miss of the way, you will miss of the prize. And if you miss of that, I am sure you will lose your soul, even that soul which is worth more than the whole world. But I have treated more largely on this in my book of the two covenants, and therefore shall pass it now. Only I beseech you to have a care of your soul, and that you may so do take this counsel. Mistrust your own strength and throw it away. Down on your knees in prayer to the Lord for the spirit of truth. Search his word for direction. Fly seducer's company. Keep company with the soundest Christians that have most experience of Christ, and be sure you have a care of Quakers, ranters, free willers. Also do not have too much company with some Anabaptist, though I go under that name myself. I tell thee this is such a serious matter, and I fear you will so little regard it, that the thoughts of the worth of the thing and of thy too light regarding of it does even make my heart ache while I am writing to you. The Lord teach you the way of his spirit, and then I am sure you will know it. So, run. Only, by the way, let me bid you have a care of two things, and so I shall pass to the next thing. First, have a care of relying on the outward obedience to any of God's commands, or thinking yourself even the better in the sight of God for that. Number two, take heed of fetching peace for your soul from any inherent righteousness. But if you can believe that you are a sinner, so art justified freely by the love of God through the redemption that is in Christ, and that God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, not because he saw anything done or to be done in or by you to move him thereunto to do it, for that is the right way. The Lord put thee into it and keep thee in it. The second direction. As you would get into the way, so you should also be much in studying and musing on the way. You know, men that would be expert in anything, they are usually much in studying of that thing. And so likewise is it with those that quickly grow expert in any way. This, therefore, you should do. Let thy study be much exercised about Christ, which is the way. What he is, what he has done, and why he is what he is, and why he has done what is done is why he took upon him the form of a servant, why he was made in the likeness of men, Philippians 2, verse 7, why he cried, why he died, why he bare the sin of the world, why he was made sin and why he was made righteousness, why he is in heaven in the nature of man and what he does there, 2 Corinthians five twenty one. Be much in musing and considering of these things. Be thinking also enough of those places which you must not come near, but leave some on this hand and some on that hand. As it is with those that travel into other countries, they must leave such a gate on this hand and such a bush on that hand and go by such a place where stands such a thing. Thus, therefore, you must do. Avoid such things which are expressly forbidden in the word of God. Withdraw your foot far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. For her steps take hold on hell, going down to the chambers of death. And so, of everything that is not in the way, have a care of it, that thou go not by it, come not near it, have nothing to do with it, so run. The third direction, not only thus, but in the next place, you must strip yourself of those things that may hang upon you to the hindering of you in the way of the kingdom of heaven is covetousness, pride, lust, or whatever else your heart may be inclining to, which may hinder you in this heavenly race. 
Men that run for a wager, if they intend to win as well as run, they do not use to encumber themselves or carry those things about them that may be a hindrance to them in their running. Every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. 1 Corinthians 9.25 That is, he lays aside everything that would be any ways a disadvantage to him, as says the Apostle. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12.1 It is but a vain thing to talk of going to heaven if you let your heart be encumbered with those things that would hinder. Would you not say that such a man would be in danger of losing, though he run, if he fill his pockets with stones, hang heavy garments on his shoulders, and great lumpish shoes on his feet? So it is here. You talk of going to heaven and yet fill your pockets with stones, i.e. fill your heart with this world. Let that hang on your shoulders with its profits and pleasures. Alas, alas, you are widely mistaken. If you intend to win, you must strip. You must lay aside every weight. You must be temperate in all things. You must so run. The fourth direction. Beware of bypass. Take heed that you do not turn into those lanes which lead out of the way. There are crooked paths, paths in which men go astray, paths that lead to death and damnation, but take heed of all those. Isaiah 59.8 Some of them are dangerous because of practice, Proverbs 7.25. Some because of opinion, but mind them not, mind the path before thee. Look right before thee, turn neither to the right hand nor to the left, but let your eyes look right on, even right before thee. Proverbs 3.17 Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot far from evil. Proverbs 4.26-27 and 27. This counsel being not so seriously taken as given is the reason of that starting from opinion to opinion, ruling this way and that way, out of this lane into that lane, and so missing the way to the kingdom. Though the way to heaven be but one, yet there are many crooked lanes and bypaths shoot down upon it, as I may so say. And again, notwithstanding the kingdom of heaven be the biggest city, yet usually those bypaths are most beaten. Most travelers go those ways, and therefore the way to heaven is hard to be found, and is hard to be kept in by reason of these. Yet nevertheless it is in this case as it was with the harlot of Jericho. She had one scarlet thread tied in her window by which her house was known. Joshua 2.18 So it is here the scarlet streams of Christ's blood run throughout the way to the kingdom of heaven. Therefore mind that. See if you do find to be sprinkling of the blood of Christ in the way. And if you do, be of good cheer you are in the right way. But have a care... You not beguile yourself with a fancy, for then you may light into any lane or way. But that you may not be mistaken, consider, though it seem never so pleasant, yet if you do not find that in the very middle of the road there is writing with the heart blood of Christ, that he came into the world to save sinners, and that we are justified though we are ungodly, shun that way. For this is it which the apostle means when he saith, We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, Hebrews ten nineteen and 20. How easy a matter is it in this our day for the devil to be too cunning for poor souls, by calling his bypass a way to the kingdom. If such an opinion or fancy be but cried up by one or more, this inscription being set upon it by the devil, this is the way of God. How speedily, greedily, and by heaps do poor simple souls throw away themselves upon it, especially if it be daubed over with a few external acts of morality, if so good. But this is because men do not know painted bypass from the plain way to the kingdom of heaven. They have not yet learned the true Christ and what his righteousness is, neither have they a sense of their own insufficiency, but are bold, proud, presumptuous, self-conceited. And therefore the fifth direction. Do not thou be too much in looking too high in your journey heavenwards. You know men that run in a race do not use to stare and gaze this way and that. Neither do they use to cast up their eyes too high, lest happily 
Through their too much gazing with their eyes after other things, they in the meantime stumble and catch and fall. The very same case is this. If you gaze and stare after every opinion and way that comes into the world, also if you be prying over much into God's secret decrees or let your heart too much entertain questions about some nice foolish curiosities, you may stumble and fall as many hundreds in England have done, both in ranting and quakery to their own eternal overthrow, without the marvelous operation of God's grace be suddenly stretched forth to bring them back again. Take heed, therefore, follow not that proud and lofty spirit, that devil-like cannot be content with his own station. David was of an excellent spirit where he saith, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great manners, or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Psalm 131, 1 and 2. Do thou so run. The sixth direction. Take heed that you have not an ear open to everyone that calls after you as you are in your journey. Men that run, you know, if any do call after them, saying, I would speak with you, or go not too fast, and you shall have my company with you. If they run for some great manner, they used to say, Alas, I cannot stay. I am in haste. Pray, talk not to me now. Neither can I stay for you. I am running for a wager. If I win... I am made, if I lose, I am undone, and therefore don't hinder me. Thus wise are men when they run for corruptible things, and thus should you do, and you have more cause to do so than they. For as much as they run but for things that last not, but thou for an incorruptible glory. I give you notice of these by times, knowing that you shall have enough call after you, even the devil, sin, this world, vain company, pleasures, profits, esteem among men, ease, pomp, pride, together with innumerable company of such companions, one crying, Stay for me! The other saying, Do not leave me behind! A third saying, And take me along with you. What? Will you go, saith the devil, without your sins, pleasures, and profits? Are you so hasty? Can you not stay and take these along with you? Will you leave your friends and companions behind you? Can you not do as your neighbors do, carry the world's sin, lust, pleasure, profit, esteem among men along with you? Have a care that you not, do not let your ear now be open to the tempting, enticing, alluring, and soul-entanging flatteries of such sink souls as these are. My son, saith Solomon, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Proverbs 1, verse 10. You know what it cost a young man which Solomon speaks of in the seventh of the Proverbs that was enticed by a harlot. With her much fair speech she won him and caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him till he went after her as an ox to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Even so far till the dart struck through his liver and knew not that it was for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, he says, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her, that is, kept out of heaven by her. Her house is away to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Soul, take this counsel and say, Satan, sin, lust, pleasure, profit, pride, friends, companions, and everything else. Let me alone, stand off, come not nigh me. For I am running for heaven for my soul, for God, for Christ, from hell and everlasting damnation. If I win, I win all, and if I lose, I lose all. Let me alone, for I will not hear. So run. The Seventh Direction in the next place, be not daunted, though thou meetest with never so many discouragements in thy journey there. That man that is resolved for heaven, if Satan cannot win him by flatteries, he will endeavor to weaken him by discouragements. 
saying, you are a sinner and you have broken God's law. You are not elected. You came too late. The day of grace is past. God does not care for you. Your heart is not. You are lazy, with a hundred other discouraging suggestions. Thus it was with David where he says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen, and 14. As if he should say, The devil did so rage, and my heart was so base, that had I judged according to my own sense and feeling, I had been absolutely distracted. But I trusted to Christ and the promise, and looked that God would be as good as his promise and have mercy upon me, an unworthy sinner. And this is that which encouraged me and kept me from fainting. And thus must you do when Satan or the law or your own conscience goes about to dishearten you, either by the greatness of your sins, the wickedness of your heart, the tediousness of the way, the loss of outward enjoyments, the hatred that you will procure from the world, or the like. Then you must encourage yourself with the freeness of the promises, the tenderheartedness of Christ, the merits of of his blood, the freeness of his invitations to come in, the greatness of the sin of others that have been pardoned, and that the same God, through the same Christ, holds forth the same grace free as ever. If these be not your meditations, you will draw very heavily in the way to heaven. If you do not give up all for lost, and so knock off from following any further, therefore I say, take heart in your journey, and say to them that seek your destruction, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Micah 7, verse 8. So run. The eighth direction. Take heed of being offended at the cross that you must go by before you come to heaven. You must understand, as I have already touched, that there is no man that goes to heaven, but he must go by the cross. The cross is the standing way mark by which all they that go to glory must pass by. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 If you were in the way to the kingdom, my life for thine, thou wilt come at the cross shortly. The Lord grant you do not shrink at it, so as to turn back again. If any man will come after me, says Christ, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 The cross it stands and has stood from the beginning as a way mark to the kingdom of heaven. You know, if one asks you the way to such and such a place, you, for the better direction, do not only say, this is the way, but then also say, you must go by such a gate, by such a stile, such a bush, tree, bridge, or such like. Why, so it is here. Are you inquiring the way to heaven? Why, I tell thee, Christ is the way, into him thou must get, into his righteousness, to be justified. And if you are in him, you will presently see the cross. You must go close by it. You must touch it, nay, you must take it up, or else you will quickly go out of the way that leads to heaven and turn up some of those crooked lanes that lead down to the chambers of death. You may know the cross by these six things. Number one, it is known in the doctrine of justification. Number two, in the doctrine of mortification. Number three, in the doctrine of perseverance. Number four, in self-denial. Number five, patience. Number six, communion with poor saints. In the doctrine of justification, there is a great deal of the cross in that a man is forced to suffer the destruction of his own righteousness for the righteousness of another. This is no easy matter for a man to do. I assure to you, it stretches every vein in his heart before he will be brought to yield to it. What for a man to deny, reject, abhor, and throw away all his prayers, tears, alms, keeping of Sabbath, hearing, reading, with the rest, in the point of justification, and account them accursed, 
and to be willing in the very midst of the sense of his sins to throw himself wholly upon the righteousness and obedience of another man, abhorring his own, counting it as deadly sin, as the open breach of the law. I say to do this indeed and in truth is the biggest piece of the cross. And therefore Paul calls this very thing a suffering, where he says, And I have suffered the loss of all things, which principally was his righteousness, that I might win Christ to be found in him, not having, but rejecting mine own righteousness. Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9. That is the first. Number two. And the doctrine of mortification is also much of the cross. Is it nothing for a man to lay hands on his vile opinions, on his vile sins, of his bosom sins, of his beloved pleasant darling sins that stick as close to him as the flesh sticks to the bones? What? To lose all these brave things that my eyes behold for that which I never saw with my eyes? What? To lose my pride, my covetousness, my vain company, sports and pleasures, and the rest? I tell you this is no easy matter. If it were what need all those prayers, sighs, watchings, what need we to be so backward to it? Nay, do you not see that some men, before they will set about this work, they will even venture the loss of their souls, heaven, God, Christ, and all? What means else all those delays and put-offs? Saying, stay a little longer, I am loath to leave my sins while I am so young and in health. Again, what is the reason else that others do it so by the halves, coldly and seldom, notwithstanding they are convinced over and over, nay, and also promise to amend, and yet all's in vain? I will assure you, to cut off right hands and to pluck out right eyes is no pleasure to the flesh. Number three. The doctrine of perseverance is also crossed to the flesh, which is not only to begin, but for to hold out not only to bid fair and to say, Would I had heaven, but so to know Christ, to put on Christ, and to walk with Christ is to come to heaven. Indeed, it is no great matter to begin to look for heaven, to begin to seek the Lord, to begin to shun sin. Oh, but it is a very great matter to continue with God's approbation. My servant Caleb, saith God, is a man of another spirit. He has followed me, followed me always. He has continually followed me, fully. He shall possess the land. Numbers 14.24 Almost all the many thousands of the children of Israel in their generation fell short of perseverance when they walked from Egypt towards the land of Canaan. Indeed, they went to the work at first pretty willingly, but they were very short-winded. They were quickly out of breath, and in their hearts they turned back again into Egypt. It is an easy matter for a man to run hard for a spurt, for a furlong, for a mile or two, oh, but to hold out for a hundred, for a thousand, for ten thousand miles. That man that does this, he must look to meet with cross, pain and wearisomeness to the flesh especially if, as he goes, he meets with briars and quagmires and other encumbrances that make his journey so much the more painfuler. Nay, do you not see with your eyes daily that perseverance is a very great part of the cross? Why else do men so soon grow weary? I could point out a many that after they have followed the ways of God about a twelve-month, Others, it may be two, three, or four, some more, and some less years, they have been beat out of wind, have taken up their lodging and rest before they have got halfway to heaven, some in this and some in that sin, and have secretly, nay, sometimes openly said that the way is too straight, the race too long, the religion too holy, and cannot hold out. I can go no further." 4, 5, and 6, and so likewise of the other three, to wit patience, self-denial, communion, and communication with and to the poor saints. How hard are these things? It is an easy matter to deny another man, but it is not so easy a matter to deny oneself, to deny myself out of love to God, 
to his gospel, to his saints, of this advantage, and of that gain, nay, of that which otherwise I might lawfully do, were it not for offending them. That scripture is but seldom read, and seldomer put in practice, which saith, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, if I make my brother to offend. 1 Corinthians 8.13 Again, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Romans 15.1 But how forward, how hasty, how peevish, and self-resolved, are the generality of professors at this day. Also, how little considering the poor, unless it be to say, Be thou warmed and filled. But to give is a seldom work. Also, especially to give to any poor. Galatians 6.10 I tell you, all things are crossed to flesh and blood. And that man that has but a watchful eye over the flesh, and also some considerable measure of strength against it, he shall find his heart in these things, like a starting horse that is rid without a curbing bridle, ready to start at everything that is offensive to him, yea, and ready to run away too, do what the writer can. It is the cross which keeps those that are kept from heaven. I am persuaded, were it not for the cross, where we have one professor, we should have twenty. But this cross, that is it which spoils all. Some men, as I said before, when they come at the cross, they can go no further, but back again to their sins they must go. Others, they stumble at it and break their necks. Others, again, when they see the cross is approaching, they turn aside to the left hand or to the right hand and so think to get to heaven another way. But they will be deceived. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall mark, shall be sure to suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 There are but few when they come at the cross cry, Welcome cross, as some of the martyrs did to the stake they were burned at. Therefore, if you meet with the cross in your journey, in what manner soever it be, be not daunted and say, Alas, what shall I do now? But rather take courage, knowing that by the cross is a way to the kingdom. Can a man believe in Christ and not be hated by the devil? Can he make a profession of this Christ and that sweetly and convincedly? And the children of Satan hold their tongue? Can darkness agree with light? Or the devil endure that Christ Jesus should be honored both by faith and a heavenly conversation? And let that soul alone at quiet? Did you never read that the dragon persecuteth the woman? And that Christ saith in the world you shall have tribulation? John 16 verse 33 The ninth direction Beg of God that he would do these two things for thee. First, enlighten your understanding, and second, inflame your will. If these two be but effectually done, there is no fear, but you will go safe to heaven. First, enlighten your understanding. One of the great reasons why men and women do so little regard the other world, it is because they see so little of it. And the reason why they see so little of it is because they have their understandings darkened. And therefore, Paul says, do not, you believers, walk as do other Gentiles, even in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance or foolishness that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Ephesians four seventeen and 18. Walk not as those, run not with them. Alas, poor souls, they have their understandings darkened, their hearts blinded, and that is the reason they have such undervaluing thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation of their souls. For when men do come to see the things of another world, what a God, what a Christ, what a heaven, and what an eternal glory there is to be enjoyed. Also when they see that it is possible for them to have a share in it, I tell you, it will make them run through thick and thin to enjoy it. Moses, having a sight of this, because his understanding was enlightened, he feared not the wrath of the king, but chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He refused to be called the son of the king's daughter, accounting it wonderful riches to be counted worthy of so much as to suffer for Christ with the poor despised saints. 
and that was because he saw him who was invisible, and had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Hebrews 11.24-27 And this is that which the Apostle usually prays for in his epistles for the saints, namely, that they might know what is the hope of God's calling, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 1.18 And that they might be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Ephesians 3.18 and 19 Pray therefore that God would enlighten your understanding. That will be very great help to you. It will make you endure many a hard brunt for Christ, as Paul saith. After you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Hebrews 10:32 to 34 If there be never such a rare jewel lie just in a man's way, yet if he sees it not, he will rather trample upon it than stoop for it and it is because he sees it not. Why, so it is here, though heaven be worth never so much, and you have never so much need of it, yet if you see it not, that is, have not your understanding opened or enlightened to see it, you will not regard it at all. Therefore cry to the Lord for enlightening grace, and say, Lord, open my blind eyes. Lord, take the veil off my dark heart. Show me the things of the other world, and let me see the sweetness, glory, and excellency of them for Christ his sake. This is a first. But secondly, that God would inflame your will. Cry to God that he would inflame your will also with the things of the other world. For when a man's will is fully set to do such or such a thing, then it must be a very hard matter that shall hinder that man from bringing about his end. When Paul's will was set resolvedly to go up to Jerusalem, though it was signified to him before what he should there suffer, he was not daunted at all. Nay, he says, I am ready, or willing, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 21.13 his will was inflamed with love to Christ, and therefore all the persuasions that could be used wrought nothing at all. Your self-willed people, nobody knows what to do with them. We used to say, he will have his own will, do all what you can. Indeed, to have such a will for heaven is an admirable advantage to a man that undertakes a race there. A man that is resolved and has his will fixed, he says, I will do my best to advantage myself. I will do my worst to hinder my enemies. I will not give out as long as I can stand. I will have it or I will lose my life. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job 13.15 I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Genesis 32.26 I will. I will. I will. Oh, this blessed inflamed will for heaven. What is like it? If a man be willing, then any argument shall be matter of encouragement. But if unwilling, then any argument shall give discouragement. This is seen both in saints and sinners, and them that are the children of God, and also those that are the children of the devil. Is number one. The saints of old, they being willing and resolved for heaven, what could stop them? Could fire or faggot, sword or halter, stinking dungeons, whips, bears, bowls, lions, cruel racking, stoning, starving, nakedness, and so on? Hebrews 11, Nay, in all these things they were more than conquerors through him that loved them. Romans 8.37, Who had also made them willing in the day of his power. Number 2, See again on the other side the children of the devil, because they are not willing to run to heaven. How many shifts and starting holes they will have. I have married a wife. I have a farm. I shall offend my landlord, I shall offend my master, I shall lose my trading, I shall lose my pride, my pleasures, I shall be mocked and scoffed, therefore I dare not come. I, saith another, will stay till I am older, till my children are out of sight, till I am God a little aforehand in the world, till I have done this and that and the other business, but alas, the thing is, they are not willing." For were they but soundly willing, these and a thousand such as these would hold them no faster than the cords held Samson, 
when he broke them like burned flax. Judges 15.14 I tell you the will is all. That is one of the chief things which turns the will either backwards or forwards. And God knows that full well, and so likewise does the devil. And therefore they both endeavor very much to strengthen the will of their servants. God, he is for making of his a willing people to serve him. And the devil, he does what he can to possess the will and affections of those that are his, with love to sin. And therefore when Christ comes close to the matter, Indeed, saith he, you will not come to me, John 5.40. How often would I have gathered you as a hen doth her chickens, and you would not? Luke 13.34. The devil had possessed her wills, and so long he was sure enough of them. O therefore cry hard to God to inflame thy will for heaven and Christ. Thy will, I say, if that be rightly set for heaven, you will not be beat off with discouragements. And this was the reason that when Jacob wrestled with the angel, though he lost a limb, as it were, and the hollow of his thigh was put out of joint, as he wrestled with him, yet he says, I will not, Mark, I will not let thee go except you bless me. Genesis thirty-two twenty-four to 26 Get your will tipped with a heavenly grace and resolution against all discouragements, and then you go full speed for heaven. But if you falter in your will, and be not found there, you will be running hobbling and halting all the way that you run. And also to be sure, you will fall short at the last. The Lord give thee a will and courage. Thus have I done with directing thee how to run to the kingdom. Be sure thou keep in memory what I have said unto thee, lest you lose your way. But because I would have you think of them, take all in short in this little bit of paper. First, get into the way. Secondly, then study on it. Thirdly, then strip and lay aside everything that would hinder. Fourthly, beware of bypass. Fifthly, do not gaze and stare too much about you, and be sure to ponder the path of your feet. Six, do not stop for any that call after you, whether it be the world, the flesh, or the devil, for all these will hinder your journey if possible. Seventhly, be not daunted with any discouragements you meet with as you go. Eight, take heed of stumbling at the cross. Nine, cry hard to God for an enlightened heart and a willing mind. And God gives thee a prosperous journey. Yet before I do quite take my leave of you, let me give thee a few motives along with thee, and maybe they will be as good as a pair of spurs to prick on the lumpish heart in this rich voyage. Nine motives to urge us on in the way. The first motive. Consider there is no way but this, that you must either win or lose. If you win, then heaven, God, Christ, glory, ease, peace, life, yea, life eternal is thine. You must be made equal to the angels in heaven. You shall sorrow no more, sigh no more, feel no more pain. You shall be out of the reach of sin, hell, death, the devil, the grave, and whatever else may endeavor your hurt. But contrarywise, and if you lose, then your loss is heaven, glory, God, Christ, ease, peace. And whatever else which tends to make eternity comfortable to the saints. Besides, you procure eternal death, sorrow, pain, blackness and darkness, fellowship with devils together with the everlasting damnation of your soul. The second motive. Consider that this devil, this hell, death and damnation, follow after you as hard as they can drive, and have their commission so to do by the law against which thou hast sinned, and therefore for the Lord's sake make haste. The third motive, if they seize upon you before you get to the city of refuge, they will put an everlasting stop to your journey. This also cries, run for it. The fourth motive, know also that now heaven gates, the heart of Christ with his arms are wide open to receive thee. Omi thinks that this consideration that the devil follows after to destroy and that Christ stands open arm to receive should make you reach out and fly with all haste and speed. And therefore the fifth motive, 
Keep thine eye upon the prize. Be sure that your eyes be continually upon the profit that thou art like to get. The sixth motive. Think much of them that are gone before. First, how really they got into the kingdom. Secondly, how safe they are in the arms of Jesus. Would they be here again for a thousand worlds? Or, if they were, would they be afraid that God would not make them welcome? The seventh motive, to encourage you a little further, set to the work. And when you have run yourself down weary, then the Lord Jesus will take thee up and carry thee. Is not this enough to make any poor soul begin his race? You perhaps cry, Oh, but I am feeble, I am lame, and so on. Well, but Christ hath a bosom. Consider, therefore, when you have run yourself down weary, he will put you in his bosom. He shall gather the lambs as his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. This is the way that fathers take to encourage their children, saying, Run, sweet babe, while you are weary, and then I will take thee up and carry you. He will gather his lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. When they are weary, they shall ride. The eighth motive. Or else he will convey new strength from heaven into your soul, which will be as well. The youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What shall I say besides what has already been said? You shall have good and easy lodging, good and wholesome diet, the bosom of Christ to lie in, the joys of heaven to feed on. Shall I speak of the satiety, of the duration of all these? Fairly to describe them to the height is the work too hard for me to do. The ninth motive. Again, methinks the very industry of the devil and the industry of his servants should make you that have a desire to heaven and happiness to run apace. Why, the devil, he will lose no time, spare no pains. Also, neither will his servants both to seek the destruction of themselves and others. And shall not we be as industrious for our own salvation? Nine uses of the subject. The first use. You see here that he that will go to heaven, he must run for it. Yea, you not only run, but so run. That is, as I have said, to run earnestly, to run continually, to strip off everything that would hinder in his race with the rest. Well, then, do you so run? And now let us examine a little. Are you got into the right way? Are you in Christ's righteousness? Do not say yes in your heart when in truth there is no such matter. The second use. If so, then, in the next place, what will become of them that are grown weary before they are got halfway there? Why, man, it is he that holds out to the end that must be saved. It is he that overcometh that shall inherit all things. It is not every one that begins. The third use. In the next place, what then will become of them that some time since were running post-haste to heaven, insomuch that they seem to outstrip many, but now are running as fast back again? Do you think those will ever come there? What? To run back again? Back again to sin, to the world, to the devil, back again to the lusts of the flesh, the force youth. So again, fourthly, how unlike to these men's possession will those be that have all this while sat still, and have not so much as set one foot forward to the kingdom of heaven? Surely he that backslideth, and he that sitteth still in sin, they are both of one mind. The one he will not stir because he loves his sin and the things of this world. The other he runs back again because he loves his sin and the things of this world. Is it not one and the same thing? The fifth use. Again, here you may see in the next place that it is they that will have heaven must run for it. Then this calls aloud to those who begin but a while since to run. I say for them to mend their pace if they intend to win. The sixth use. Again, sixthly, you that are old professors, take heed that the young striplings of Jesus that begin to strip but the other day do not outrun you, so as to have that scripture fulfilled on you, the first shall be last and the last first. 
which will be a shame to you and a credit for them. The seventh youth. Again, how basely do they behave themselves? How unlike are they to win that think it enough to keep company with the hindmost? There are some men that profess themselves such as run for heaven as well as any. Yet if there be but any lazy, slothful, cold, half-hearted professors in the country, they will be sure to take example by them. They think if they can but keep pace with them, they shall do fair. But these do not consider that the hindmost lose the prize. The eighth use. Again, how? And if you by your lazy running should not only destroy yourself, but also by it be the cause of the damnation of some others. For you being a professor, you must think that others will take notice of you. And because you are but a poor, cold, lazy runner, and one that seeks to drive the world in pleasure along with you, why, thereby others will think of doing so too. Nay, they say, why may not we as well as he? He is a professor, and yet he seeks for pleasures, riches, profits. He loves vain company, and he is proud. He is so-and-so, and professes that he is going for heaven. Yea, and he says also, he does not fear, but he shall have entertainment. Let us therefore keep pace with him. We shall fare no worse than he. The ninth use. Therefore now to speak a word to both of you, and so I shall conclude. I beseech you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that none of you do so run so lazily in the way to heaven as to hinder either yourselves or others. I know that even he which runs laziest, if he should see a man running for a temporal life, if he should so much neglect his own well-being in this world as to venture, when he is a-running for his life, to pick up here and there a lock of wool that hangs by the wayside, or to step now and then aside out of the way for to gather up a straw or two, or any rotten stick, I say if he should do this when he is running for his life, you would condemn him. And do you not condemn yourself that you do the very same in effect, nay worse, you loiter in your race, notwithstanding your soul, heaven, glory, and all is at stake. Have a care, have a care, poor wretched sinner, have a care. Number two, if yet there shall be any that, notwithstanding this advice, will still be flaggering and loitering in the way to the kingdom of glory, be thou so wise as not to take example by them. Learn of no man further than he follows Christ. provocation to run with the foremost. Now that you may be provoked to run with the foremost, take notice of this. When Lot and his wife are running from curses Sodom to the mountains to save their lives, it is said that his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And yet you see that neither her practice nor the judgment of God that fell upon her for the same would cause Lot to look behind him. I have sometimes wondered at Lot in this particular his wife looked behind her and died immediately, but let what would become of her, Lot would not so much as look behind him to see her. We do not read that he did so much as once look where she was, or what was become of her. His heart was indeed upon his journey, and while it might, there was a mountain before him, and the fire and brimstone behind him. His life lay at stake, and he had lost it as if he had but looked behind him. Do thou so run, and in your race remember Lot's wife, and remember her doom, and remember for what that doom did overtake her, and remember that God made her an example for all lazy runners to the end of the world, and take heed you fall not after the same example. But if this will not provoke you, consider thus. Number one, your soul is your own soul, that is either to be saved or lost. Then you shall not lose my soul by thy laziness, it is your own soul, your own ease, your own peace, your own advantage or disadvantage. Number two, if you lose your soul, it is you also that must bear the blame. It made Cain stark mad to consider that he had not looked to his brother Abel's soul. How much more will it perplex you to think that you had not a care of your own? And if this will not provoke you to bestir yourself, think again. Number three, that if you will not run, the people of God are resolved to deal with you, even as Lot dealt with his wife. That is, leave you behind them. It may be you have a father, mother, brother, and so on, going post-haste to heaven. Would you be willing to be left behind them? 
Surely not. Again, number four, will it not be a dishonor to you to see the very boys and girls in the country to have more wit than yourself? It may be the servants of some men, as a horsekeeper, plowman, scullion, and so on, are more looking after heaven than their masters. I am apt to think sometimes that more servants than masters, the more tenants than landlords, will inherit the kingdom of heaven. But is not this a shame for them that are such? I am persuaded you scorn that your servants should say that they are wiser than you in the things of this world, and yet I am bold to say that many of them are wiser than you in the things of the world to come, which are of greater concernment. Lastly, a short expostulation. Well then, sinner, what sayest thou? Where is thy heart? Wilt thou run? Art thou resolved to strip, or art thou not? Think quickly, man, it is no dallying in this matter. Confer not with flesh and blood. Look up to heaven and see how thou likest it. Also to hell, of which thou mayest understand something by my book called A Few Sighs from Hell, through the groans of a damned soul, which I wish thee to read seriously over, and accordingly devote thyself. And if thou dost not know the way, inquire at the word of God. If you want company, cry for God's spirit. If you lack encouragement, entertain the promises. But be sure... You begin by times. Get into the way. Run apace and hold out to the end, and the Lord give thee a prosperous journey. Farewell. The Heavenly Footman by John Bunyan Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, mp3s and videos for much more information on the puritans and reformers including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books mp3s digital downloads and videos please visit stillwater's revival books at puritandownloads.com stillwater's revival books also publishes the puritan hard drive the most powerful and practical christian study tool ever produced all thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan hard drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable, and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books mp3s and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.